The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is the newscast for episode 227 for the week of October 4th. Alex, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you, Rob? I'm doing well. As I was saying, the episode number, it occurred to me that 227 was a was a sitcom. In, it was. Uh, was it with late 80s, maybe? Something like that? Uh, yeah, late 80s, maybe even into the early 90s. I, I'm trying to remember exactly when it was. Um, it's funny. Um, my wife is a, a fan of a soap opera and uh days of our lives if you really care and one of the actresses from 227 is now on days of our lives and i i was uh, happy to let her know that well that, so, that's amazing and and now we have a connection and now we have a great intro to the podcast i love it we do uh you know what else rob what's that i went to see a movie tonight in a movie theater how was that alex it was great uh really enjoyed it uh we saw uh shang chi and the ten rings uh, you know, new Marvel movie or newish, I guess it's probably almost a couple months old at this point. Um, but that, that's the first movie I've seen in a movie theater, uh, since probably February of 2020. And how, how full was the theater? Uh, maybe half full it, okay. at, at best. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm glad you got to do that. And, and you want to give your, uh, your, you know, star rating for the movie. I thought it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I don't know about a star rating, but um, it was a, a good Marvel movie and a good story, slightly different than many of the Marvel stories. So I appreciated that. And then, you know, if you're a, a Marvel fan or enjoy being tied into the Marvel universe, you'll want to see it so that you can continue to be tied in. Uh, you know, another uh, sitcom tie-in, the the main actor, the star of Shang-Chi is from a TV show called Kim's Convenience. And, ah. and Kristen and I have watched some significant Kim's convenience on Netflix over the last year or so. All right. Well, there you go. I did not know that. Yeah. So there's all kinds of uh, interesting and not so interesting tie-ins for us as we get started off. Hey, why don't we get started off? Well, you know what, Rob, I have one more fact. Okay. Hit me. Uh, we have a Slack channel oh, and, and in that Slack channel, we have over 2000 uh, people who hang out, talk, uh, uh, shoot the, the breeze, all things Colorado equal security. Uh, it's a lot of fun. There's great conversations in there and we'd love to have you come join us. Go to colorado-security.com and you can find the link to join there. And after you've clicked the link to join Slack, once you scroll to the bottom of the page and get on our mailing list so you can get the show notes delivered to your inbox once a week. And if you're w- done with that and you think, man, there's a lot more stuff I want to do, you can go rate us and subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. You can tell a friend about us. Heck, you could even financially support it, support us through our Patreon campaign. We'd love that. You know, if you were wanting to go above and beyond and also expand uh, your personal skills, you know, we always do need help with doing interviews for the podcast. As you all know, we do the, the newscast first and then uh, hopefully have an interview after. And, you know, it's been harder for us to get that done lately. So if anyone else wants to be a guest interviewer, we will be happy to help you uh, get connected with some people to interview and then put you on the podcast. All right. Good stuff. Let's jump into the news. This is a follow-up from a couple of different uh, episodes, but um, it's the nearly done version. Uh, basically Casa Bonita has been sold to the creators of South Park for $3.1 million. Yeah. You know, we talked about this when this first broke and then I, I think a story that was subsequent to that, that 
you know, maybe it wasn't quite all the way done deal yet. And now it sounds like they have actually signed a deal. And the only thing that they're waiting for uh, is sign off from a judge because uh, the company that owns Casa Bonita right now uh, is in bankruptcy court. So they need the judge to approve the deal. But once that happens, we will now have uh, South Park Bonita. Yeah, it, it sounds like this sign off from the judge is, is not a significant concern. Folks don't think that this is going to be at risk, but um, uh, I'm look, looking forward to having it be official official. Uh, a couple of interesting things to me from this, you know, that 3.1 million might sound fairly good. However, they said that the, the owners are, have, have about $2.9 million worth of debt in relation to Casa Bonita. So really they're getting about 200,000 out of the sale. Uh, definitely not walking away with a fortune. Well, you know, I'd say if you are in bankruptcy court, getting anything is probably a good deal. So uh, a fair, good a fair point. Yeah. And I, I think it's a, a good thing for everyone all around. And I look forward to uh, Casa Bonita being the vibrant cliff diving uh, Sopapilla restaurant that it used to be. Well, I can't wait for them to improve the food. Once they improve the food, we can do a Colorado Equal Security event there. I think that would be great. Uh, I do have to say, though, I, I really hope that they keep the Sopapillas. That was the the only thing that I appreciated there. So, all right. Uh, next story. Uh, DIA has inked some contracts for about $84 million to start the planning for a seventh runway. I guess yeah, I didn't I realize that there were six. Yeah. I didn't see this coming. Um, I, you know, I, I, I did heard conversations about additional gates and maybe even an additional terminal past out past the sea, you know, maybe going to a D gates. Um, but this is interesting, the, the plan here about adding a seventh runway. And what was also interesting is to say that this is actually just one step on their plan to build a total of 12 runways. Yeah, I, I don't know if they plan to build 12, but I think that there is room for them to build, build 12. Uh, I suppose if we continue to grow, then maybe we'll get there. Um, also, if we add this runway, uh, we will now be in a tie with Dallas-Fort Worth International for the second ranked number of uh runways uh, for airports in the U.S., just behind O'Hare International, which has eight active runways. Yeah. And if you're thinking, well, $84 million to get this runway built, that seems awfully cheap. Uh, you're right. The uh, the price tag to actually do the design and construction for the entire runway will be closer to $1.2 billion. So that $84 million is just, uh, it's just walking around money on the way there. Yeah. I think uh, if I remember right, they said there were three contracts that were uh, up to $84 million dollars. And it was things like, you know, environmental assessment and some other planning pieces that have to go in before you can even start about thinking to, to actually build. I also, think, I also think it said if they do move forward with this, it would be something like 2028 uh, when the runway would actually be done. Yeah. So not, not for quite a while. All right. There's a the third annual um, Inno on Fire. So this is the now owned by Dinner Business Journals, but the... Uh, what was the Colorado name of the group? No. Colorado sorry, No. Yeah, Colorado Inno doing their Inno on Fire list of 50 um, on fire tech companies here in Colorado. And there's a there's a number of interesting names on here we know and some that were new to me. Yeah, there were I, I recognize a lot of these and definitely a few of them uh, were new. They actually have a bunch of different categories that they uh, break these up into as well. Early stage. Um, you know, healthcare, uh, established, you know, so some of it's time, some of it's focus. Um, and you know, this, this is sort of like the nominee section, and then they're going to pick winners from each one of these categories. Um, so I think in the future, we'll probably have a story talking about who from each of these categories actually won for who is on the fire the most. So there, there's a lot of names on here that 
that we we've talked about on the show in the past, you know, the last game board and guild education and, and a whole bunch of interesting ones. But you know, what was surprising to me is I don't think there was a single security company on the list. I did not see a security company on the list. Um, there's actually a lot of companies that were not even technology companies. I would, I would have figured there would have been more technology companies on here too. Yeah. Anyway, interesting stuff. And the reason we talk about this is because we think the rest of you out there should probably click this link and see what interesting startups are in town, because there, there's a lot of cool companies that you're not going to know about if you don't spend a few minutes looking through this article. Uh, Rob, speaking of interesting companies, there is a fast growing insure tech, which is insurance tech a startup that has now opened a new office in Denver. Yeah. And this is the company's called Agent Sync. And interestingly enough, Agent Sync was also on that last list of 50 companies. Um, I, I, if I had heard of Agent Sync, I don't remember it, but they moved to Denver in early 2020 from the Bay Area, their insurance tech, um, as you mentioned. And they started back last year at about 12 employees in Denver. And now they're at almost 100. They've raised $36 million in that time. Um, and they just got a brand new um, office building in the Rhino district. Yeah. And so what they do is they're sort of like a back office software for the insurance industry. And uh, so they have a couple of products in that area now. And I think they're continuing to to add more products to that. Uh, and it looks like they're going to be, uh, they have nearly 115 employees by the end of this year and trying to grow to 175 by the end of next year. Yeah, you know, the only other insurance technology company I know of is Vertifor, which is also headquartered here in town. And I think they're they're the biggest or one of the biggest in that field. And it makes me wonder if you, know, if you just get that hub of companies focus on the same thing and, and you know, Vertifor being here brings in folks like Agent Sync and others in that industry. I don't know, but it's a, it's a hypothesis that um, I'm going to just pretend is true. Uh, I think that's good. If nothing else, we can wait for it to test itself and see whether it's true or not. Good stuff. Uh, so next article is from Zvilo. And we, we picked this one because I, I think this is a topic that you and I have talked about recently with some other uh, of the members of the community. And it's becoming more and more interesting to me um, as we go. So the headline is cyber, cyber Threat Intelligence for Secure Access Service Edge, which is SASE. Uh, and, and basically, this is Zvilo doing their intro blog to what is secure access service edge what is sassy and and why does it matter yeah and then uh you know of course they do threat intelligence and so uh them talking about how it is that threat intelligence can play into sassy and why it's important yeah you know i'm i mostly when i read it i don't know if, if you got the same read i mostly thought it was just um, the, maybe the author or someone else at the company was like what is this sassy thing right. and they did some research and they're like well uh, now we know what it is. Why don't we share that with the rest of the world? Because uh, because folks will find it interesting. And frankly, it is interesting. And those of you who don't know what SASE is yet, and maybe you've heard the acronym and just like me, you've, you've rolled your eyes most of the times you've heard it. I think it's worth understanding. And and, and, I, and I'll say, I, I do believe that over the next, I don't know, 10, 15 years, that this is going to take the place of most on-prem um, network edge devices, You know, your firewalls and your web access gateways and IPSs and all that. Yeah, I hope that it doesn't continue to be called sassy, but uh, I think that the the idea and the technologies behind it will probably be around to stay. Um, I, I do think it's interesting too, in general, that uh, you know it used to be we would see Zavilo articles that were talking about things that they did, but then it was kind of like, well, you know, go find a provider that actually uses our services on the back end because they 
um, you know, they were sort of white labeled or, you know, added to other devices, but you know, they've recently added, I think, some direct to consumer kind of services too. And so we're starting to see more blogs from them talking about these services and how you can plug them into your existing infrastructure. Good stuff from Zvilo. It's nice to hear them uh, chiming in with some, some good educational content. Indeed. All right. Uh, Ping Identity announced an acquisition of a company called Singular Key. Uh, and I'm sad, Rob, that I can't just turn to you and say, what's this all about, Rob? You surely know about this because you may not anymore. Yeah, I, I had never heard of Singular Key and I and I was, uh, I actually read this, um, you know, I, I'll c- confess to the world here. Um, I don't read every word of every one of the articles that we go through. What? I probably read every word of this press release twice. And, yeah. and, and I am still not sure I really understand what Singular Key did or does. Yeah, this is um, this is definitely a press release. Uh, th- there's lots of buzzwords in there, and they they there are many many words in here, and in my opinion, they don't add up to a whole lot. Um, I, I'm glad that they acquired this company. To me, it sounds like uh, Singular Key is maybe um, you know sort of like a, an API integration engine, but for the identity space, um, and then they've added a you know a bunch of other things around it to make it sound cooler than it is. Yeah. I'll tell you. So I, I, like I mentioned, I did read it multiple times to really get it. And then I talked to some folks. And, <laughs> and, and so I think, I think I understand the real problem that singular key is helping solve is, you know, for any identity provider or any, anyone who wants to integrate with lots and lots of companies, it's really hard to build you know, custom integrations that work for your SaaS app because every SaaS app works differently. And, you know, there's a ton of maintenance to make those work. Singular key has made it easier with the, the no code, low code um, integrations that they have with different SaaS apps. And this should make integrations easier for ping customers. And of course, you know, for, for ping developers as well. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's nice that they're saying it's no code, low code, you know, whatever, but, you know, I really think of those no code or low code applications as things that, you know, you can use to make integrations. And, you know, me reading this, it sounds like they have already done those integrations so that it's easier for you to use those things as opposed to you, you know, having it anyway. Um, but it, I'm glad for Ping. It seems like this is going to help them uh, integrate with more platforms. And uh, that's always good. Yeah, I think, I think it should make it a lot easier for Ping customers going forward. All right, from my previous company, Ping, to my current company, Red Canary. We got a Red Canary blog this week. Um, this is by the great Katie Nichols. If you guys haven't got a chance to check out what Katie produces, um, you're definitely missing out. This week, she wrote a blog. So, you, so you're thinking of starting a cyber, intelligent, cyber threat intelligence team. Um, Alex, what is this all about? Yeah, so uh, I thought this was an interesting read. Another pretty good uh, in-depth blog from Red Canary. Not nearly as technical as some of the other blogs, but... Um, great nonetheless. So, you know, this is talking first about, you know, what cyber threat intelligence is and then how it is that you might go about starting a function in your company uh, for yourself. So uh, things like understanding what your your requirements are and getting the the people part of the team together, then, you know, figuring out what the data is that, uh, that you're going to use for intelligence and acquiring that, uh, you know, setting up tooling, um, essentially creating outputs or products from this tooling and then uh, being able to measure what you're doing to show that you're growing and, and getting better. Yeah, what I appreciated is that they start off by talking about you know some reasons that why it might make sense for you to do this. And uh, I, I think it's useful for 
for leaders not to just go build a thing because there's a thing that could be built, but to be thoughtful right. about about are you do you actually have problems here that are that are that this uh, this new capability could solve? Um, and if you know if the answer is yes, then Katie gives a great roadmap for how do you do it. And uh, I think for most companies, the answer is probably no. Uh, if you know you're probably not good enough at vulnerability management and change management or, and whatever you know whatever other core capabilities you need to have in order for you, it to make sense for you to go build a, uh, a threat intelligence team. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think most companies you're probably going to uh, you know go to a, a different company that offers products like this that you can plug into and have them perform this service for you as opposed to building your own team. I, I feel like yeah. you have to be a little more mature, a little bigger to, to actually do that. But pretty cool. But if it is time for you to build it, uh, you know, take a look at this blog post and and I bet you, I bet I'm signing her up. I bet if you reached out to Katie on Twitter, she'd probably give you some advice as well. I'm sure. All right, uh, next, um, everyone's favorite topic, uh, blog post this week from Coalfire talking about high trust and some changes that are coming up um, around that. That is my favorite topic, Alex. I, I know that's why I said it, Rob. Yeah. It, just compliance in general is is so much fun, and and high trust is uh, is maybe the best of those. You know, high trust. You know, for those who don't know, it really started off almost exclusively, I think, as a as a healthcare focused uh, compliance framework. But I'd say over the last you know maybe five years or so, it's changed from being you know just healthcare focused to really being more comprehensive than that, and and, and other industries using it. And and there's a so, so number one, a lot of value in terms of just using this as a way to, to talk about your program. But then um, this uh, particular blog post is talking about these big changes coming and they say that these are going to be the broadest changes that the high trust has had ever in its existence. Yeah. So uh, coming up in 2022, version 10 of the high trust CSF will be released. But in the interim, uh, with version nine, there have been a number of small changes that have been released. And uh, those are going to also get rolled into version 10. But this blog post breaks down a lot of those uh, small changes that have happened recently so that you can stay up to date and make sure you understand those changes if you are trying to be um, high trust certified or you already are and, and need to be recertified. So uh, I don't know that I'm going to go through uh, many of them here, but, um, but definitely check this out if uh, high trust is in your wheelhouse and you need to know what's going on there. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that Red Canary often has technical blogs. This is a very technical blog, but in a compliance perspective, like it, it's it's very in depth. There's a lot of information here. If if you're someone who needs to know about high trust, I highly recommend taking a look at this blog post. Yeah, lots of detail there. Uh, all right, last one, and I get excited whenever we get a, uh, a an article from a company that we haven't talked about in a while, and we haven't talked about Absio. And man, I feel like it's been years. Uh, we we had one of their co-founders on the show uh, maybe two or three years ago, but we haven't had anything from them in a long time. Yeah, I feel like that interview may have been in the first year of the podcast. It was very early. Um, and uh, Absio, they do data security. Um, and this blog post is talking about, well, the title is The Physicality of Data and the Road to Inherently Safer Computing, uh, which is in an interesting topic. Uh, and they go on to to define what inherently safer computing is and how it related to some non-technology uh, pieces, um, and then uh, some potential ideas of uh, you know what we could do around getting there to uh, inherently safer computing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if you noticed this. We we got this article from the Absio blog, but it was actually cross-posted. It was originally posted on Forbes.com, uh, written by uh, is it? It's Dave Kruger, right? Uh, it is. Yep. 
Yeah. And Dave was the guy who we talked to on the show a couple of years it, ago as well. It is. Um, you know, I'd say that one of the things I liked about it is this, this is not a sales pitch. This is a, it's more of like a thought leadership type of a post where he's, you know, talking conceptually about, about ideas that, you know, maybe we don't know how to do it all right now. This idea of inherently safer computing, you know, the analogy they talk about in the article is, you know, back in the, I think it was the seventies, you know, there was a, a number of chemical engineering, um, accidents that, you know, caused human, uh, human casualties. And, and, and they really rethought how engineering for those types of plants, you know, anyone working with that type of material would work. And, and, and you know, it, it went from saying, Hey, let's put, you know, mitigations in place in the, in the factory to saying, let's change the way we address this dangerous material from the very beginning. And, you know, when you think of that as a, and, you know, as, as a parallel to how the, to the types of problems we have in security, it makes a lot of sense that, he, that they're thinking that, you know, we need to really rethink how we use data and how we use those, that's those sensitive systems um, well before we put a WAF in place or we put antivirus in place on the, on the computers. Yeah. I think it's a, a pretty good analogy and a pretty good parallel, you know, the comparing data to sort of uh, unsafe chemicals. And uh, again, to your point, you know, they were talking about how, uh, with with that industry, you know they would not really think about it until the end, and you have to build a whole bunch of safe, safety systems and uh, things to clean up messes and, and everything uh, when there were accidents, as a, as opposed to uh, really thinking about how to make it safe from the beginning. And you know we've talked about that at a high level in security forever. You know, uh, shift left, get you know get in front of this, build security in, and uh, and if you can really make the, the data secure from the beginning, then uh, it makes it a lot easier in the end. Yeah. Well, that is, that is uh, the, the blog post this week. Let's go ahead and jump over to our, what do we got next? Our upcoming events. Um, there are just two events in the next two weeks. Uh, still, I think we're, we're suffering a little bit of that, that gap. I don't know exactly what it was, but early October, there wasn't a lot of stuff going on, uh, but we do on the 13th and 14th have a two-day job fair that's being put on by Spectrum slash Charter. Uh, and they're looking for a lot of IT jobs, including a number of security jobs. And then on the 15th, uh, there is this uh, Dustin's group talking about application security testing tools? It sure is, yep. The unnamed application security group. The, 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 the group formerly known as, I don't know, Dustin's yeah. group. Exactly. Uh, it, it, I, I love that. You know, they're going to be talking about different kinds of tools and, and when you want to use them in the process. Good stuff. That's great. And All right, those are the only two events we had. Yeah. Let's go ahead and jump over to jobs. I do have a couple of jobs at Red Canary right now. I'm looking to hire multiple product security engineers. If you're a, uh, someone with an application security background, um, we'd love to talk to you about those. Reach out to me uh, on Slack if you want to talk. And we're also looking for an IT support manager headquartered here in Denver. Fluid truck. Uh, which is was on the uh, Colorado Inno hot, or uh, 50 on fire list. Uh, they are looking for an application security engineer as well. AXS, this is the uh, the, the ticketing slash events company is looking to hire a security engineer. Alex, is that here in town? Uh, it can be here in town. That is one of the the companies in the Anschutz portfolio. If you want to uh, work in ticketing, it's it's a pretty cool environment. Um, and you're a security engineer. Um, you can reach out to me. I might be able to give you a couple other details. Awesome. Uh, Zayo is looking for a senior manager for corporate cybersecurity. This is basically running the security program at Zayo. Oh, awesome. 
Uh, Gates Corporation is hiring a senior security threat hunter. That sounds like a lot of fun over there. Yeah. Uh, Regis University is looking for a director of infrastructure operations and security. Um, I posted this one because it could be fun since uh, Regis had that big ransomware attack not too long ago. I, I bet that they're a little well, more well-funded right now and, and have some uh, initiatives around security. And they, they sure could use it. Absolutely. Um, Dish is hiring an AWS security engineer. Yeah. If you know any of those that aren't working already, um, Alterix is looking for an application security engineer. And finally, Lumen is hiring a vice president of security development. This is a uh, Mike Benjamin's job over there. Mike is moving on to his new thing. We don't know what it is yet, but I I think we'll find out any day now. Yeah. So if you always wanted to be Mike Benjamin when you grow up, now you can be. (laughs) They can't be Mike Benjamin. Come on. Well, I mean, don't get their their hopes up. If you want to wear Mike Benjamin's old shoes when you grow up, then then you now have that chance. It's a pretty cool job from what I understand. Yeah, I think a lot of and that is running Black Lotus Labs, which is the coolest part of Lumen. So that uh, sounds like a pretty fun job. Yep. All right. Well, that takes us to the end of the newscast. We do not have a feature interview this week, so people can go uh, can go. I don't know what you do in your free time, everyone. You know, clip your toenails or whatever it is you have to do today. Go outside. Uh, enjoy this great fall weather. All right. That's it. Have a good one, Alex. Thanks, Rob. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado equals security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.